stand by while NCLA cuts through the noise to signal abuse of administrative power. This is Administrative Static with Mark Chenoweth and John Vecchione. Welcome back to Administrative Static. This is John Vecchione, and Mark and I are joined by our colleague Greg Dolan. Um, Some of you may have been following the Newman case, uh, where our client has been, um, you know, for all intents and purposes, thrown off the bench in a process that outside of impeachment. um, And this is on the federal circuit. So we have been suing in the district court of Washington, D.C., and uh, Judge Cooper has had that case, went through mediation, and that and that f- didn't um, get a resolution. So <clears throat> we had an argument on the government's – well, the government's – the administrative body of the uh, Fed circuits uh, and the individual judges motion to dismiss the claim um, just recently. And Greg, you did that, and uh, why, don't, why don't we talk about what happened? Uh, thanks, John. I did do that. And uh, it is kind of weird that a judicial body, which is, in, of course, within the Article 3, is represented by Department of Justice, which, of course, is in Article 2. But that aside, um, so the government, and I'll refer well, Especially when the judge who's been thrown off the bench isn't being represented by the Department of Justice. You Go. think that they might have recourse to that uh, representation as well. Correct. And it's somewhat unusual because in a... Um, about 20 years ago when a similar issue arose with uh, now late Judge McBride in the Fifth Circuit, the Judicial Council of the Fifth Circuit was represented by a private entity. DOJ intervened to defend the constitution of the statute, but they were not representing either Judge McBride or the council precisely for the reason, Mark, that you pointed out. But but in any event, that aside, so the government is just easier to refer to them that way, or the defendants, they moved to dismiss our complaint uh, essentially on three grounds. One, saying that there is no, uh, the district court has no jurisdiction over as applied challenges. Two, that um, uh, it, even if it did have jurisdiction, it's just an improper form. Just you want us to go directly to the Supreme Court. And three, with respect to facial challenges, which they concede there are, is jurisdiction as a general matter, they basically told, told the court that we Pled it poorly, and so we didn't actually raise any facial challenges. And let me break that down. An as-applied challenge is a challenge to a law as it affects you under the facts of that case. A facial challenge is, look at this law. It's wrong. Just look at it. You'll know. It has to be struck down. Right. So a facial challenge is a challenge where you say there may be circumstances where the law is constitutional as applied to somebody else, right, but not as to me. Whereas facial challenge, there is no set of circumstances which can be applied to anyone at all. Right. And then pleading, it's just a matter of you didn't say they did anything wrong. Right. Um, so um, the it was the government's motion. The government went first. Government went first, and government. Um, so I must say, I was I wouldn't say surprised, but I was very pleased by Judge Cooper's sort of demeanor. Uh, out of the gate, uh, the government. Uh, so first of all, out of the gate, Judge Cooper uh, took the bench and said, "You know, I've been thinking about this case for a long time. Here's how I organized it in my head." And so here's how I want to address it. And he went four things. Here are the four issues. It was right. so organized. And I, 
you know, when I'm arguing, I love the judge to tell me what he knows already. Um, so it was very helpful. And then you're about right. to say what he right. told the government right. immediately. Right. right. And, and But to the organization point, it's, you're right. It's very good and, uh, because although it doesn't tip the hat e- either way, it just shows that the judge comes prepared. He is not. And, of course, district judges are super busy, so sometimes they're less prepared than usual. But this showed that the judge read everything kind of anew. Taking this matter right. very seriously. Exactly. As it should be taken seriously, but right. judges don't always. Right. But, yeah. Exactly. But at the, like I was saying, at the outset, the government tried to sort of set the tone, saying, well, Judge Newman is old and she's late and her colleagues were respectful, basically just trying to um, kind of badmouth our client, Judge Newman. And um, Judge Cooper out of the gate said, look, I know the background. Let's lower the temperature. Let's just focus on the legal issues, which, again, doesn't tip the hat one way or the other, but shows that he's really concerned about the impact it has on his court, on the federal circuit, on judiciary as a whole. And how the judges are acting. That And, sure. and that has been a concern of his throughout. I mean, you have to, from the first time he got this thing, <laughs> right. and it's still weighing on his mind, obviously. And um, and uh, the other thing, although I don't know if he can do anything about it, um, in part because of the stage of litigation we're in, but it's interesting that he pointed out that the rules of this disability investigations do call for a transfer in extraordinary circumstances. And he said, I cannot imagine any set of circumstances <laughs> more, any set of, that is more extraordinary that would call for a transfer. Now, whether he can order one or conclude that it's illegal not to have one, it's a separate issue. But... I think it shows how judiciary as a whole, even people who, you know, don't have any view on whether or not Judge Newman is or isn't disabled, you know, footnote, she's not, but are concerned about the process. And not only that, I, I you know, we, we obviously represent her. We cover, we follow the news very, very um, closely on all this. I have not seen any third party commentator, who's not us, not them, <laughs> not the government, say, you know what? Not transferring this thing was the right thing to do. Me neither. I haven't seen a single person defend that decision. I've seen people who said, again, I disagree with them in part because we represent Judge Newman in part because I, at a personal level, I disagree. But I've seen people who said, look, Judge Newman is too old to be a judge. Mm-hmm. She's too slow. She really ought to resign. But even those people have said, like, but it would have been way better if it would have been a different process. Right. So... Uh, but an oral argument, so the government went first. Um, they um, spent a fairly long time at the lectern. Uh, Judge Cooper did ask him, I think, some tough questions. Um, uh, and, you know, the government lawyers are very, very good, but I think, and, you know, I don't want to blame the lawyers. They're doing their job. But it's interesting what I what I observed is that the defendants, through their lawyers, I kind of speaking out of both sides of their mouth. So for just by way of example, in their final order, um, suspending Judge Newman that was issued September 20th. The defendant said, number one, we're suspending her for a year. Number two, we have re- uh, retained the right to renew it. And they explained the renewal portion is, quote, essential to carrying out their functions, meaning that, you know, essential or, kind of or, means or that... Or their desires. Right, well, <laughs> so, uh, but meaning that, I mean, essential kind of means like it has to happen. But when speaking before Judge Cooper... Uh, a government attorney tried to minimize it, saying, well, we don't know. It might or might not happen. Who knows how the circuit will react next They were time. walking back from their brief where they said she may never sit on the bench in front of a case again. Correct. And um, because I think that, again, and I don't want to predict how Judge Cooper will rule, especially because we're here on jurisdictional challenges as opposed to substantive ones. But um, I think, uh, you know, that certainly raised some eyebrows that the brief did. 
And um, so in any event, so the government spoke first. Um, I, of course, I argued second. Um, and Judge Cooper had some tough questions for us as well, specifically, I think, his last question. Right. I, just I want to interject before you move on to you, yourself. I do think that the government attorney was um, very facile for a government attorney. But the, the thing he didn't have any answer for, I listened to it and I listened. He had no answer to why they kept the case, right? It was Because right. there's it, no answer for that, there John. There's no good answer. There's no good answer. Was, and he was very well prepared. So he'd done everything possible to get prepared for the question. And it was like, well, you know, they have no facts. Well, that sounds like bias to me. But anyway, well, go ahead. The closest he came is basically quoted from one of the orders that like, well, information was coming in real time. But as we <laughs> said in one of our response to those orders, you know, with, mo- with wonders of modern technology, with email, even if the people complaining to judge more at real time, all you just do is press forward to button, and that could be the, en- the end of that. Um, so then you got up. That, so I got up, and so I, much the same way as the government did, I went through the same order the judge laid out. Uh, I think we got all of our arguments out. I think the judge, again, paid uh, close attention to what we were saying. I think he, um, I think one of the key points that we tried to make that although the decision to suspend Judge Newman was made by 11 judges, and nobody disputes that they're judges, but they were not acting as a court. And I think he really understood the clear line between somebody being a judge and somebody being a court, and those are not necessarily coextensive. So what are they? What are? What did you say they were? So I said that they are uh, much like, for example, administrative office of the court or the sentencing commission that are also is staffed by judges. That they are and, an administ- and are also in Article Three, and also Article Three, and yeah. that they are an administrative arm of the judiciary. Still, judges still cannot be removed, but nevertheless, just wearing a different hat at this time. And I think Judge Cooper, now whether he agrees or not, we'll see. But he really understood that our argument is, and he actually repeated it to the government when government got back to rebut, that it's not a functional distinction; it's a formal. So sometimes you are a court, and sometimes you are something other than a court, whether it's sentencing commission or whatever else. Uh, but he did have, I think, at the end, a hard question for me. Um, I hope I answered it um, to his satisfaction. But I think it is important. He said, well, what if a judge were truly disabled? Um, what's the public interest there in terms of restoring this judge to a bench? And he said, would you as a litigant want to have a disabled <laughs> judge on the bench? And, you know, and it's a hard question because I think in some sense the answer is no. But, of course, there's a process for it. It's called impeachment. It's called um you know, trial in the Senate. And of course, in our case, Judge Newman has been writing opinions throughout this proceedings. She's catching up on her backlog. Um, and there's no evidence that her opinions are, you know. Yeah, as, it as, makes as, it even more ridiculous. She's right. very disabled. Oh, here's another opinion. Right. Here's another opinion. Yeah. <laughs> right. But I, 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 I think there's that. It is it is a difficult question. Um, I, But I, but I, I thought you did handle it well. And you know he's 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 really getting into this. He he knows the difference between right. facial all this. I mean this he was really on right. top of it. And um, I'll let I'll let you. Uh, do you have any final yeah. thoughts? Well, there's there's one thing I think that everybody in the courtroom agreed on. Judge Cooper and the uh, government and us. He finished the argument saying, "I really did not want to be here." And <laughs> I, I think we all agreed to that. None of us had to be here, but unfortunately, sort of the behavior of the. Right. Judge Judge Newman's colleagues forced us to be right, and he and and he wasn't saying it in a way of you know I'm gonna do something bad because but what he's yeah. saying is is that it's an unfortunate circumstance for the same reason he didn't want the government raising the temperature at the very beginning of the argument right so um, just really good judicial demeanor and and uh, you're right you know some of our listeners who aren't lawyers. Uh, 
you don't always get a judge who knows everything you put in front of them. So, exactly. uh, and, and that's why we're so happy about that. Yeah. But we, we wanted to get our client in front of a fair tribunal, and I think we have. Yeah. So, All right. Well, thanks for joining us. Thank you.